All right, y'all know what it is. Let's get this started. That led me to try to find out. You know, we've always heard that the black man leaves the black family, uh, abandons his woman and children, won't take care of the children, won't work, stays out all night, turns into a drunk, takes drugs. You know, we've heard a lot of negative things. Most of them are true. But uh, I wanted to find out what happens before he gets to that point. Mm. What leads up to the breakdown? We've never gone back to try to find out what happens in the relationship between the black man and a black woman that makes him go off and do all of these bad things. Uh, to assume that this is just normal, natural behavior for black men would be to assume that he is naturally bad. And I do not believe that uh, the man that God gave to us as a mate is a naturally bad person. And so I wanted to try to uh, examine. What goes on with him? What, what's his side of the story? We have never had a black woman who actually stood up and said, I'm standing up for the black man's side of the story. Uh, we know what our side is, and uh, both sides are true. We have done some very dreadful things to each other, and I don't exonerate black men, which is uh, kind of a, a misconception that people have. I just say that we know his side. What about our side? And we do have a side. Uh, we have adopted uh, some wrong standards. We are judging our men many times by the wrong value system. Uh, we are using his children sometimes against him. Uh, we have been told that the only benefit that a black man provides in a home is money. And if he does not give us money to take care of those kinds of financial provisions, that he has no value. And uh, what my research has proven to me is that uh, mm. a black man, a, any man in any home, provides much more than financial support. Uh, the man provides guidance, instruction, discipline for the children, which we sorely need in our black homes. Uh, he provides gratification, fulfillment, protection. I mean, there's so many other valuable values. And these values are the ones that are missing in our children today, which is why many black children are in the street, out of control themselves, uh, disrespectful, don't have any regard for anyone. And most of us are scared of them, and everybody else is, because nobody has a way in to them to try to gain any control over them. So I maintain that a return to traditional family values, certain clearly defined gender responsibilities for black men and black women in running a home and a relationship will help us to produce a better child. And if we produce a better child, certainly we'll have a better future and a better nation. Was Christ really buried? Is there a chance that he really married? Mary and fled over the France? Did he really find his bones with a fine tooth comb? Or did he walk out of his tomb to the throne? Uh. Was he God? Was he not? Was he alive when he dropped him in the tomb? Did he swoon? Was he moved? Was he removed? Never knew to the Truth were they fools with the disciples hallucinating? Was the truth evaded because they wanted to boost this rating? It's the truth, by the way. The Catholic Church from the Vatican work to keep in the back of dirt under the rug. Was he God from above? If he was, did you blink? Did you shrug? Did you hate? Did you love? Was he God from above? If he was, did you do you shrug? Uh, do you hate? Do you love? Up. Christ on a poster. Uh. Christ on the culture. Christ on the stained glass. Christ on the future. Christ on the video. Christ on the radio. Christ of Da Vinci. What, what does he really know? Christ on the war shows. Christ that the Lord knows. Christ that's sure to come back in his war clothes. And which Christ do you believe? Gotta know before you leave. Yeah. Yes, he did arrive. Yes, he was alive. Though he wasn't married, never, never had, had any wives. Yes, he did rise days after he died. What can I say? Yes, he is God. From the womb to the tomb to his throne, nobody in Rome could hold on to his bones. Cause there were no bones to be held, though his bones would be held. Who would have known it was Jehovah and the L? Ha <laughs> ha! Hey!
Welcome to the eighth episode of the Lawrence Dufresne Podcast. I am Lawrence Dufresne, and I will be your host for the day. Shout out to Manny, man, the truth, man. That was the truth. Uh, the, the song is called The Portrait. It's an oldie, man, a classic. Let me not say it's an oldie because I, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm old, but it's a throwback. But it's one of my favorite Manny songs, man. The Truth was really bringing the bars on that one. So if you never heard that one, go check it out. It's definitely an awesome joint. Um, I wanna, <laughs> I'm having a few conversations today. Uh, one is a conversation that I had with my homegirl, uh, Jasmine, back in the day. And I'm bringing that conversation to the podcast because of the whole Derek Jackson and his wife's situation. Now, I know everybody got their opinions and stuff. I'm not going to go too much into that right now. But what I do want to say is we got to do better. We got to do better as a people. I've seen a lot of jokes. The jokes are always hilarious. I'm not hating on anybody joking um, because, I mean, I like to laugh. I like the memes. I like the videos, the skits. All that stuff was funny. Um, But what is not funny is the fact that there is a couple that is genuinely hurting out there. um, And we're laughing at the fact that this guy might potentially be a fraud. I know some of you are disappointed um, because you believed him. You put him on a pedestal, whatever the case is. And I know some of you are disappointed that his wife chose to stay with him. And you guys are dragging her because she made a decision to stay with her husband. And I find it funny that it's believe all women until the woman decides to stay with the black man. I find it hilarious that we're supposed to support black women until that woman decides to stay with her husband. At the end of the day, it's her life. And it's their life. And none of us have any right to drag her or call her out of her name because of her decision. And even if you don't believe with her religiosity, it gives you no right to call her out of her name and to try to make her feel like she is less of a person. The jokes are funny. Yeah, they they, they are funny. But at the end of the day, I pray that you never have to go through what they're going through. I pray that you never find yourself in a situation where someone that you love dearly betrays you and turns their back on you. And I pray that the Internet doesn't find out and make jokes out of it instead of supporting you. I pray that that never happens to you. Because while you might think it's funny because you'll never have to talk to her in person, you'll never have to talk to him in person. At the end of the day, these are human beings who are seeing all the jokes. And I don't find it really all that funny. I'm going to be honest with you. We need to stop this man against woman beef that's going on on the Internet. And it's only happening on the Internet because let's keep it a thousand. When we're in person, men and women love each other. We are all over each other. We're supporting each other. We're rooting for each other. So when we're in person, we don't have this type of beef. But for whatever reason, when we get on the Internet, we allow the energy, the vibrations of those who are controlling the narratives to get into our brains. And we start this type of debate. We start to do this back and forth that really doesn't happen in real life. And it's not really edifying. We need to stop this man against woman beef. And we especially need to stop this black man against black woman beef. Because at the end of the day, all we have is each other. So when I was talking to my homegirl, Jasmine, this was a while ago. This was even before the Derrick Jackson situation happened. Me and her was having um, a conversation, and she mentioned a term called political hypocrisy. I want you to hear these thoughts. We have, as a society, created a culture on um called professional hypocrisy in that 
we expect like our civic leaders to be able to, I guess, uphold some type of or not hold this duality of life, which is why you can have like GOP members talk about their disdain for same-sex marriages, but then get caught having sex with the same sex in their office. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I started thinking about basically like professions where you have doctors who smoke or doctors, <laughs> you know That's what I mean? True, yeah. <laughs> like, or you'll have divorce counselors who've never been divorced. Mm, you know mm, I mean? yeah, or, yeah. or you'll have men telling women, you know, talking to women about pro-choice, about having kids, and they don't have a vagina. Right. So, yeah. to, you know, so I'm thinking that, I mean, almost it is ingrained into us to live a duality of life where we can get degrees and where we can, especially with social media you know, comport ourselves in certain ways professionally, mm. but really not adhere to the things that we have um, studied, mm. you know, to mm -hmm. do. Yeah. For the life of me, how could you be a heart doctor and be obese and not work out? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I get it, though. That's the funny thing. I can get how you can know better and not do better. You know, I've I've been stopped saying that line. When you know better, you do better, because it's really not true. Lot, lot. Okay, so there's an aspect of me that does see where you're coming from, but I would just I will say not necessarily against you, but I would say that then whatever it is you are claiming to believe is not reformative or transformative in your life enough to make an impact for you. Well, I'll put it this way. Like, okay, if we, if we use the heart doctor, the heart doctor isn't moving off belief. He has a knowledge of the heart. He, mm -hmm. he is not, it's not belief. He doesn't care about his own heart enough to exercise. He's obese because he likes food or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't want to do the physical activity, but he has a knowledge of the heart. Uh, adequate knowledge of the heart to help you if you care about your heart. He'll tell you, yeah, this is what you need to do for your heart. Don't worry about what I'm doing with my heart. You can do this for your heart. And so having that knowledge makes him useful. I think when you get into the realm of politics and religion specifically, that's where it becomes messy because like the GOP who's against same-sex marriage, that might be the only thing that that member doesn't support, but he can never go against the group thought publicly. You see what I mean? Like, he might be about everything else the Republican Party is about, but he might be okay with same-sex marriage. But because they, the, the strategy in politics is to be a united front. Look, I've been involved, I've been in all types of rooms politically, from independent political movements to major party political movements. Before anybody goes out, they always say we got to present a united front. That's that's that is the line, no matter what side you're on. And so that's where we mess up. We mess up because we believe their united front to mean that they all agree in every point. But that's not true. They want the united front for the sake of getting collective power. Mm -hmm. And once they're in power, once they're in power, then they want to discuss the details. But until they get in power, they want to present this because unfortunately people, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's true or if it's just social theory, 
but people assume nobody wants to get involved with a divided organization or divided movement. And so they say, before we can reveal our division, we need to present a united front. And so they will, they'll bite their tongues. You know, they won't, there might be a pro-choice Republican who won't say anything until Republicans are in power and then be like, all right, guys, seriously, though, we need to, we need to let these people have choice. Like we can't, we can't be pro-life um, and, and, and then abandon the life after the womb. Like there might be a Republican like that. You see what I'm saying? And so it's not from belief. Now, when you're dealing with the pastor or the sheik or whatever religious group, that's when it becomes a little problematic. But the, the, on the flip side, Western society has made these positions professions, mm-hmm. right? Pa- pastoring is now a profession. You go to school, you get training, you get a degree, certification, and now you're equipped to pastor. If you come from a biblical context, it wasn't a profession. It was a calling that was confirmed by the moves of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. And so you were free to teach and preach and move as the spirit led you Mm -hmm. and you would have your disciples who agreed with you um and then you'll have your followings who might take some things from you but then they'll go about their business and it was all good but now you know denominationalism is now creating that whole united front thing because you you know being a first lady you know even within any denomination yeah. All them Negroes don't agree, but they have to present this united front. Now, and when I say have to, I mean it, it apparently is more financially feasible to suggest we all believe the same thing, even though in reality we don't. Because even when it comes out that certain pastors are debating certain things, a lot of the membership is focusing on what the group position is. Mm-hmm. They're ignoring the variance and then the variance will get blackballed you know the the those who see it differently will get punished for their independent thought process mm-hmm. and so this is why you'll have the the, the hypocrisy where a, a a pastor will go up and say the the image of god is the husband and the wife and and the way that that christ loves the church the way husbands should love their wives and then will go home and beat on their wives and will have side chicks and side dudes and will just be like living all types of reckless because he has to present the united front. He can't, yeah. you know, no, I mean, he can't be it's like. True. It's true, but I mean, and maybe, and I, I will say this, maybe this is the idealist in me, but I know that the life that I try to live, to live is, it needs to be consistent. If I say that family is valuable to me, then I ought to have evidence that my family is value to you know of value to me. If I say mental health and um, holistic health, right, that is important to me, then that means I'm practicing temperance. And for me, I guess in my mind, I don't separate whether it's supposed to be a profession or not, pastoralship. Or whether you're a heart doctor or a counselor, can you give advice and advise people based off of knowledge? Yes, but there is something that doesn't quite sit right with me if 
if this is something that you are advising, mm -hmm. especially in the professional arena, then you ought to have experience, mm -hmm. with it, which mm -hmm. is why I don't think that as a single person, it would have been inappropriate to give collective marital advice, but yeah. a very appropriate to speak woman to woman mm -hmm. about worth or value, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why, you know, but and I know that's highly uh, um, unpopular to straight up say, nah, if you uh, you can't be given marital advice as a single person. Look, I don't because, I, never, because you ain't never been married. Now, a divorced person can give marital advice because they've been there, done that. If yeah. I've never been divorced, there has to be a certain humility and acknowledging that there's a limit it's a professional capacity that i have to talk to you about you know certain things which I is why i don't know I, I i know that you're like the heart doctor you know there's not like belief but i'm just like why are you doing something you don't believe in if you truly believe in life and and to do no harm it shouldn't that first apply to yourself it sh it should in an idealistic perspective but it doesn't have to you know, I could, I can commit to do no harm to other people. And that's honestly good enough for my profession because it's not my life that's on the table. It's somebody else's life. And so the idea is I, my commitment is to do no harm to you. That's my commitment. I can do whatever harm I want to do to myself because when I do it to myself, it's not in a professional capacity. And even in the church arena, the language isn't this is what I believe. The language is framed we. in this is God's will. This is God's desire, not my desire. And so if I'm not living up to God's desires, that doesn't mean I can't speak on God's desires. I, if anything, I am convicting myself if I care. You know what I mean? But I might not care. And so uh, even even the scriptures talks about Paul talks about those who was preaching Christ for their own personal gain. They didn't believe in Christ. And Paul said, let them do it because Christ is being exalted. It don't matter. It really don't matter to me. As long as Christ is being lifted up, somebody's going to give their life to Christ. That's really all that matters. Man, that was a crazy conversation. You know, anytime me and Jasmine gets together, you already know it's going to be a really dope conversation. So thank you, Jasmine, uh, for joining me and having us kind of exchange those ideas. You know, sometimes it might be hypocritical, but at the end of the day, we have a tendency to separate our profession from our personal lives. And you let me know what you think about that. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is it indifferent? Do you have a problem when your professional doesn't live out to the, to the advice that they're giving you? Or are you just glad that there's somebody who has more knowledge than you and they're willing to tell you what you have to do uh, to better your life? You let me know. Um, I was also having a conversation with my homegirl, Natalie, um, and we, were, we, we talked about some OT. We, we talked about some stuff that had occurred in the past. Uh, we were dealing with the, with the Will and Jada um, entanglement situation. But a, a deeper conversation came out of that, something that, that didn't really include Jada and Will, something that I think really benefits us as a whole that I think we should really take a listen to. It, it was dealing with codependency. Check this out. I am here with my homie, my sister, uh, my therapist de facto. <laughs> 
because I'm not paying her, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm here with the beautiful Miss Natalie Alexander. How are you doing today? Hi, Lawrence. I'm great. I'm great, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. What a privilege to be here with you today. Awesome. Awesome. The honor is mine. I'm, I feel honored to have you, man. Uh, so we're going to talk about some old tea. If it's old tea, then it's iced tea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Iced tea is always good tea, right? There you go. See, I'm from Jersey, so we don't do iced tea. Uh, but, um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about this Jada and Will entanglement. I don't even know where to begin. There's so much kind of in that. So let me ask you first. I guess I, I'm going to ask you what, as a therapist, what do you see going on in that particular Red Table Talk? I see lots of, I still see sadness. I see, I see sadness. I see love. I see that mainly. I saw, I saw lots of love in Will's eyes, just the depth of it. And I'll say this now that Will has the capacity probably to love anybody he chooses to love deeply. The way he looks at her and looked at her uh, during that interview and just really was you know, in her world, on her radar, in her galaxy, it was all encompassing, right? And so mingled with that is is a little bit of sadness. And I want to say this, he, from the very beginning of the thing, of the interview, the talk, he said, what'd you do, Jada? So what'd you do? <laughs> right, 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 and right. So he wanted her to be accountable to say, I did this. Mm. And when he didn't, he was like, I'm going to get you back. So if you're not going to own it, I'm going to make sure that you own it. So it's not that I don't know that he was being petty so much as he was trying to just get some some semblance of accountability. This is what I did. Mm. Yeah. And I'll just stop there because I'm what the other things that I want to say, I'm sure will come out. But that's what I thought. So I want to make sure I hear you correctly. You're saying that Jada never took accountability for what she did. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I think. Will wanted to hear words from her that would that may have translated as accountability to him. In other words, mm-hmm. I did this and it hurt you, right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the beginning, she said, and lots of people's feelings are involved. She didn't say your feelings are involved. Oh, I see. I see. Woo, that's good. And and that's also interesting because they started off saying that they were separated, right? And that they were separated so that they can learn how to find happiness, mm-hmm. like, like individual happiness. Mm-hmm. He needed to learn what makes him happy. She needed to learn what makes her happy. Then she got involved with August and she's like, that was my codependency, meaning that I had to get with August. She kind of, she didn't say these exact words, but she kind of was like the experience. This is what she said. The experience with August Help me realize how codependent I was, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was interesting because they were separated because they had to find their own individual happiness. You know, you, you, you helped me out. I would have assumed that that codependency was already discovered before August. Right. If I'm understanding their relationship as they've as they've shared, Will, you know, b- built the mansion for her. He did it for her. He he created the empire for her. And it was like her. So so there there was a codependency between them, I'm sure. His 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 sense of value and worth came from her acceptance of all the things that she that he poured out for her. Mm-hmm. Right. She rejected it because that's not what she asked him for, you know, according to some previous um, Red Table talks. 
So there's that. So then she was not getting her internal needs met because possibly whatever she was asking him for, he wasn't giving. And so that need to feel valued, the need to be um, to, to be valuable to somebody else came through that codependent relationship that she had with August. If I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that she didn't feel as valuable with Will? Like, Will didn't make her feel valuable? Uh, that would be my interpretation of, of what she's saying. So I just needed to feel happy. Like, yeah, in my yeah. mind, girl, like, you were married to Will Smith. How, like, what do you need? What right. do you and, need? And he chose her. He was chasing her. It was like, it wasn't like, you know, she was just available. And he was like, you know, since she's the only one. Like, he he wanted her from the from the beginning at least from from what we know from what we know publicly so to me i guess that's that would that brings more context to why he was like you need to find what's going to make you happy because, because he couldn't there was okay. nothing he could do to make her happy yeah 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 and i imagine that hard for for a husband who loves his wife the way he loves uh jada i imagine let me ask you this. It's kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but let me ask you this. Do you think, is that healthy? Is that like a health? I mean, I don't know if you can speak, if we can judge that, but you're you're the licensed one. Is that healthy? Is what healthy? The way that he is, I don't want to say the way that he's loving her, but the way that is almost like, I mean, he said it, he'll take anything. He'll go through anything to like be with her. I would say that it is as healthy as his mental health. It's as healthy as his mental health will allow it to be. Mm. Right. So, uh, you know, he's losing sleep at night and, you know, not being able to focus and not being able to function. Not healthy at all. Not healthy at all. So all of that shouldn't be going on in, in a healthy relationship, like the losing sleep, not being able to function. That That's when you can kind of tell that the relationship is getting a little unhealthy. Right, right. All in the name of love. No, no. Mm -hmm. And I would, and, and, and the thing about it is like, I would, I think Will Smith has um, a level of individuality, uh, you know, uh, uh, just he's out there. And, I'm, and I've heard people term him as a narcissist. I don't know. I mean, I'm not his therapist. Yeah. Huh? What's that? I said, you don't see that? You don't see narcissism? No, I, listen, I'm not his therapist and I'm not, in, you know, in the, in the business of diagnosing anybody or, or things of that nature. I am familiar with how things play out with narcissist husband. Let me just say this. You have to have a certain level of narcissism to be a superstar because narcissists you know they like attention and it, it's you know hollywood is full of narcissists mm -hmm. like the, the, the greatest ones uh actors and so on and so forth so there's that i don't know why i brought it up but um to be so for his woman is not characteristic of a narcissist he's he is for her he is mm -hmm. all in for her everything her everything his children just wanting the best and actually so amazingly and I'm so like I'm so impressed not impressed but big word grateful I commend will for the steps in healing that he's making for himself and the allowances and the space and the environment that he provides or that he allows and um for Jada for healing his devotion to her yes can be perceived i don't know and i'm really i really have no idea but 
I'm just, you know, throwing out some ideas. Her devotion to her can be perceived as self-serving to a degree, right? Like, I'm devoted to you to prove to myself yes. that I can love you through anything. And would that then be in the lines of narcissism? Could be because she doesn't benefit. He does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. I mean, yeah, like the focus isn't, and I'm not, I'm not saying this about, well, I'm throwing out ideas. And the reason why I'm saying it, because there are some people in relationships Okay. where that's how the narcissist kind of hides himself or herself in the alleged devotion to the other person that's really a front for the devotion to themselves. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that happening in other relationships. I believe Will, and I believe his devotion to Jada as being sincere and true and altruistic for her. So so I really wouldn't identify or connect narcissism to that, to Will in this regard. I got you. What what would be some signs, I guess, that you would look for, you know, that would make you say this love is self-serving? Like if like what would be present, you know, just to help the people out who might be in the situation. Listen, there probably would not have been a red table talk. Mm. There probably would not have been a red table talk. There might have been a Twitter live or Instagram live where he was like, I love her. It would have been like a lot of performance. It would have been a lot of, I can't believe she hurt me like this. I love her with all the things that I've done for her. And it would have been like a, a like a, a you know, some kind of live message to her and, you know, that kind of thing. Because narcissistic people are deeply insecure. Mm. So it'll all be about what I look like, how this looks on me, and let me just show people that I'm not devastated. Let me show people that I can rise above it. Mm. I see exactly what you're saying. That's crazy. That's deep. That's deep. I've been noticing Will's face throughout the entire video. Now, he had this on Instagram and was saying that he was tired. And like him and Jada together, he was saying I was crying. I was tired. It was like 12 in the morning. You know, he kind of tried to, you know, and I do want to talk about his usage of comedy and humor in this whole conversation. That's another thing I picked up on. But going back to Will's face, did that face look like a face of a tired person or crying? It, it didn't look like he was crying. There's a there's an expression that comes with crying, you know, the frown. There's there's a there's a different expression that comes with crying. But tired I could see, but also I don't know why he was tired, but I'll just go ahead and say that possibly you know, just losing sleep over having to get to a red table talk and, you know, admit to the nation and have this conversation to the nation and whoever else is looking about his private life. Huh. Possibly you might lose some sleep over it and wound up about it. You know, real so talk. He looked, he looked sleep deprived. He didn't look hurting. Like sleep deprived. Uh, oh. Sleep deprived and tired are two different things. Uh, probably tired. Yeah. Tired, you know, and, and there was a level of like some anger, some 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 other kind of emotion that was there. Like I said, we know with the head tilt and the you know the jaw clenching a couple times. You 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 peep that like I could say something, but I'm not going to say nothing. Mm -hmm. What is that like that? What is that? Tell tell me what that is. It might be love. It might be love and respect. I'm not going to say it because I love her. Mm. I'm and not that's gonna Yes, because you, a husband's role is to protect his wife. If I understand men correctly, they inherently want to protect their wife. And they said he said it a couple of times. He was done. 
He was done. And it's a miracle that he's talking to her now. So if anything, that conversation uh, triggered and stirred up some of that stuff that was put away four years ago. And so some of that emotion was probably stirred up and it was coming out in his facial expression. But love for her prevailed. And I'm not going to say it because he may have already said everything that he wanted to say. Again, he may have already said it. She knows already. This is just for the people. And this is not for me right now. This is just for the people. Uh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, yeah, we're doing the Red Table Talk. This is for your healing. But this is really for the people. <laughs> it's like we're doing this so that because we, we kind of based on. And, it, you know, we, when we were talking offline, I talked about the brand of Red Table Talk mm-hmm. and how it's this whole we're coming, we're transparent, we're healing. And then this happens and everybody was like, oh, is this going to come up on the Red Table Talk? And I do feel to some degree there was slight pressure on um, on Jada's part, at least, if not on Will's part, on Jada's part, to kind of address this in an intimate setting. What are your thoughts on that? So just thinking about the interview with August, that interview was in an intimate setting. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, you know, him talking to the to the journalist, and why not? Angelo Yee, shout out to Angelo Yee. Yeah, well. yeah, and and so that that interview was in an intimate setting, and why not respond in kind? Um, mm. And I and I really really appre- appreciate the humanity that they that that part of their humanity that they shared. Right. Mm-hmm. That because truthfully, Red Table Talk could have just printed uh, a, a statement. They could have sent one of their people, editors to just write an ad- article, you know, Red Table Talk and just leave it at that. But I think that, you know, like I said, to reflect the tone of um, the interview that August put out, it, it would be, I think, the best thing to to respond. Right. In yeah, I agree. I, I think if they had just did a statement i don't think it would have been as beneficial i guess be the word or as genuine i think genuine is a better word i don't think it would have been as genuine had it just been a a statement or you know a post i think they had to do something uh live face to face but that's imagery to me i see it as pr you know what i mean like and not saying that healing can't come from pr but it's more about the pr than the healing, but that's just me. There's no way I can possibly know. You know what I mean? But right. Here's what I have the problem with. Jada introduced the interview with the word healing. Okay. This is for healing because other people's feelings are involved. And then she talked about her journey and how uh, this, the time with August had helped her to see herself, the good and the bad and the beautiful and the ugly. And she's been healed through it all. But my problem is, is that it was at the expense of August. Like now, like mm. he, he made the statement and he told his story. He was hurt. Yeah. He was yeah. hurt and hurting through all of that. And mm. you got your healing and left somebody hurt. You know, I get it. And that's why I say it's humanity. That's why I say this is humanity because it, we're human. Right. And it happens. I hate as, as a, as a clinician, I hate that. August was hurt through the process, right? I would have loved to hear her say, I found myself and he found himself through the time that that we were together. Didn't Mm. hear that. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen, 
but it's safe to say, you know, through as a result of his interview, let me just say this, that 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 relationship with her was another trauma. It replayed his first trauma of abuse and it was a cycle. And I'm grateful and I'm happy that August broke the cycle, broke the silence and said what it, what he had to say. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for him, but I hate that someone's healing was at the expense of someone's hurt. Right, right, right. And that often happens in codependent relationships, especially if this is codependent and the other person's like, oh, but I still want you, I still need you. And mm. they're just left out here wondering like, what, what, what just happened, right? And she said that through her journey, he stopped, the August stopped talking to her because she realized that she was growing into a realization of the goodness of her relationship with Will. Mm. Code for they were getting back together and mm. she couldn't have both. And so, you know, it was hurtful for August. He had to let it go and not talk to her. Rightfully so. He had to protect himself. But at the end of the day, welcome to humanity. Welcome mm. to life. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no judgment. There's no no condemnation. It's it this is what it is. Welcome mm. to life. Mm. Real quick, let's define codependency for, for some of the listeners. We, we keep throwing it around. Yeah. How would you uh, define codependency? I would define codependency as the need to feel a sense of value only as connected to a relationship with another human being. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's deep. So does that include family relationships? Like Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely codependent mother to son. I mean, that if a mother's codependent to her son, then we kind of move into son or daughter, father to daughter, whoever. We move into emotional incest, you know, between, you know, between parent and child. Um, children develop into codependent adults because their childhood needs were not met. Mm. Uh, they use the word trauma, which made me think, well, yes, being emotionally ne neglected is a trauma to the brain as researched and shared by the author of The Body Keeps Score. The Body Keeps Score. Yes. And so what would be a healthy relationship then? What would that look like? So if codependency is I'm finding value in relationship with you, what is a healthy way to be in relationship with somebody? Is it... We call that interdependent. We call that interdependent. Where I could be me, I could have my own likes and my own propensities, and you and 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 be okay with me, and you can have the same with whatever you want to pursue in life, and I don't need to be in relationship with you in order to feel like I am a somebody. A lot of times, you know, there's an example that Pia Melody shares in her book, Codependency. And uh, it's a great book. It's, it's, it's a great book. And um, she says that parents often, you know, she gives an example when parents feel bad if their children gets bad grades, then that's, that's indication of codependency. It's like a parent should be able to feel like a parent and the child feel like whoever they are, even in their bad grades or if they make a bad choice without the parent feeling devastated, like, what have I done? What kind of human being am I? We need to be able to be separate and individual human beings and allow people the space and the environment to be the same. So I want to, I, I need to dig deeper here. Cause this is, this is interesting because I get it. Well, I don't know. Maybe I get it. I, I, I'll put it this way. I used to, until we started talking, I used to think 
that my personality was just that. Like, you know, like if my kids come home with bad grades, I just be like, man, you got to tighten up. But I never saw it as a reflection of my parenting or of me at all in the sense of I'm I'm such a horrible person because my kid came home with bad grades. But I would do my part as a parent to help them become better. So you're saying that a parent who is like, whose identity is completely in their children, that that can be unhealthy. Absolutely. Man, parents, y'all hear that? That's, I, I some people are going to fight you for this. That That is, <laughs> you know. You know why some people are going to fight me for this? Because our society is saturated with codependency. Mm. It, it's just saturated with codependency the nuances and just the, you know, some of these, some of these cultural norms are connected to codependency, right? This, this thing of, okay, now I'm going to step on some toes. Churches, some church mantras and and belief systems, you know, talk about caring about other people or doing for other people, you know, and a lot, I find a lot of people, you know, they live their life based on service at the expense of who they are. Mm -hmm, Um, mm organizations money at the at the expense of their own needs no yeah 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 yeah. that that's codependency because where where do we get the chance for self-care where do we get the chance to learn about who we are as individuals and see the good the bad the ugly the indifferent and then interact with other people who are that aware who are self-aware right to be interdependent is also to be self-aware that's deep. That's deep. And I love the fact that you're saying this because I know for me personally, that's the type of relationships that I thrive for. And you even helped unlock something about me and Abby because when we got together, we didn't get together looking for completion. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We didn't get together like, you know, I'm broken, you're broken. So we we going to fill each other's gaps or or nothing like that. It was like, you know, you're you, I'm me. This is fun. I'm going to be me. You be you. And if who you are and who I am work, then we'll we'll keep this going, you know, until the wheels fall off. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been great, but I could never figure it out. Like, what is the difference between how we could we love each other deeply? You know, I, I want her in my life and I enjoy her in my life, but I never felt like my life would be in shambles. I'd be disappointed. I'd be sad if something happened between me and the queen. But I I I would still be me. And some people, you know how the romantic guys, oh, you're my world. I love you so much. I can't live without you. You know, I never use those words. I, I, even when I would write love letters to Abby, I would, I would say things like, you know, um, I could see myself with you for the rest of my life, right. which is different from I can't live without you. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you remind me of something. I, there, there, there are people in relationships who say things like, I'm here to make her happy. Uh, I just want to make her happy. I just want to make him happy. Um, nobody can make, make anybody happy. Um, and even mothers are saying, you know, they say like, well, I just want my children to be happy. Well, the news is children are going to be as happy as their mother is. And if mm. unhappy, trying to fuel happiness into their children and see that their children are perpetually unhappy. Like that doesn't give the child the freedom to be unhappy sometimes because mommy's going to get mad if I'm, if I'm sad. So I got to be happy. Like it just creates a world of confusion and 
just unnecessary dysfunction. If mom can give herself the space to be unhappy or to thrive or to strive for the things that she wants and then model what that looks like for her children, then you will achieve the happiness and, and, and joy that, that we're here to experience. I, I need you to say that again um, because I have a lot of women who follow me, so I know they're going to hear this. Okay. I know a lot of mothers who follow me. And I know for a fact that that is one of the hardest concepts mm -hmm. for a mother to truly receive. Like, you know, I always look, I always say, but I'm a man. So they just be looking to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. But I'm always like, you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your children. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're only giving them subpar care for lack of a better term. Right. That makes me wonder about the motive of the mother to want to make her children happy in the sense that, well, a lot of us, for let's say, for example, mothers might say, I had a sad childhood, so I, I want to give my kids the, the, the joy that I didn't have when I was a child. And my, yeah, my encouragement would be to her, like, heal. Yeah. Go through that sadness, find a good therapist and heal that so that you can be happy and be at peace. Because honestly, like what you said, the kids are going to call for more than mama than, than she has to give if she does not address the sadness in her childhood. She cannot turn it into joy just because she's looking at her cute little babies. Because a mother's, a mother's role is to give. She, number one, gives life, but then she has to give emotion. She has to give uh, learning lessons, instruction. She gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. That is her role. And when we work towards making our children happy, after a while, our children become our parent. They turn around parenting us because we're not happy in and of ourselves. And then that steals the happiness from the children and it steals their childhood. Mm. So it becomes a cycle. I'm not happy. Child sees I'm not happy. Child tries to make me happy, and now child is unhappy. Yes. Mom sees child unhappy, tries to make them happy, and mommy is drained. And so there's never anything to, like, break that cycle. Right. After a while, child gets so good at taking care of mom's happiness, mom stops trying to make child happy because child is feeling the need. Wow. You know the danger in that? And then child feels like, oh, I have value and worth in life. Oh, I help people. Oh, I make mom smile. I make dad smile. I make them proud. And then it's at the detriment of their own well-being, self-knowledge, self-awareness. Yeah. I was literally just about to say those exact like that, that exact thing. What it what it does to their their perspective of their purpose. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm here to make people happy, mm -hmm. and so so when somebody doesn't need them to make them happy, they can even feel rejected a little bit. Like yes, wow. yes, yes, because that's why I'm here to make people happy, or that's why I'm here to 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 help. Well, this is what I, you know, I know the answer here. Take my advice to help. And when they say, I don't want it, it's a deep rejection because their whole foundation of well-being has been, or, or, or sense of self has been in helping, which is hallmark for codependency. That is, that is insane only because it is so normal. Like you said, our society is filled with codependency. That is so normal. If if I could if I could count the amount of times I hear people say, 
you know, I'm just a, a big hearted person. You know, that would be the line. And I'm looking at them. And, and so I'm glad you're saying this because I promise you that the cognitive dissonance that I go through where I say you are, but you're not supposed to be destroying yourself in the process. Exactly. They look at me like, you don't understand. I'm like, ah, I, you know what? Go see a therapist. <laughs> and I kind of defer. That's crazy. Man, wasn't that joint crazy? I learned so much talking to Natalie about this codependency stuff. Things that I've never even considered. I mean, I'm wondering, do you think you're living a codependent life? <laughs> like, that's something I really had to ask myself after talking to Natalie. I had to figure out um, where in my life am I being codependent? But let me know what your thoughts. Did you learn anything new? Did you think this was relevant? I would love to hear what your ideas are at the end of the day. Um, just continue to examine yourself. The idea is for all of us to be better. The idea is for us to fully examine ourselves um, and judge ourselves. We're going to judge anybody. Let's judge ourselves. Let's look at ourselves and decide if we are uh, where we need to be versus trying to figure out if somebody else is where they need to be. Um, and at the end of the day, just remember to breathe because your power is found in your breath. Your breath comes from God, which makes it your most valuable resource. I'll see y'all next week, man. Peace. Jesus said, who do say that I am? Was Christ really buried? Is there a chance that he really married? Mary and flood over the fridge.